So welcome to Real People of Orange County, the Ocean Institute. I'm so excited to have all of you here. So um, why don't we go ahead and start with you, Jonathan. Uh, The educational uh, arena over there at the Ocean Institute seems to be most everyone's touch point with the Ocean Institute, wouldn't you say? Maybe the first time you went there would have been through an educational program? You know, absolutely. I think we've been perfecting that art for nearly 40 years. And I really, truly call us an educational resource for the entire community. Uh, And fundamentally, it's about those K through 12 programs, those marine science, California history, uh, land-based ecology programs that we can provide to students from all over the local Southern California area. Okay, so how long have you been with the Ocean Institute? It will be my 12th year this coming January. So I feel I've gotten, you know, a good opportunity to see all of those programs in action. And, you know, it's really great to see, again, not only kids of all ages, but kids from all throughout Southern California, different programs that they get to see. Okay. All right. So now when you, uh, let let me ask you, how did you first learn about the Ocean Institute? Were you a wide-eyed child that wanted to be there and, and see, you know, see what the ocean had to offer? Or how did you find out? You know, interestingly, I was not a student that came through an Ocean Institute program, which is always a nice story that we hear. We have a lot of returning teachers that come year after year or former students that are now teachers that come and bring their students. And that's a wonderful story. Uh, Mine is really I've uh, been a student of the ocean, a child of, you know, the wild. So I've always had an appreciation for nature, for science. And I've been involved in nonprofit informal education for my entire working career. And I just happened to come across the Ocean Institute in a very random sort of way, but I've been very blessed to be a part of such an amazing organization. Okay, so do you feel like you're um, holding a program or, or fostering a program that might bring the next marine biologist that uh, discovers you know, the cure for cancer? I mean, is that, is that something that you notice coming through where a lot of kids you know, really change their course, the light bulb goes off, and they say, hey, I... Uh, I think I want to be a marine biologist. Absolutely. And we don't really know what it is, but I think it's all about those teachable moments um, because we're going to design our programs to complement what the kids need to learn at that specific grade level. So it might be focused on marine biology or chemistry or physics, whatever it might be. Um, But once we're actually working through our programs, interacting with our staff, going out on a historic tall ship, going out on a research vessel, or learning something new in our labs, that teachable moment could be anything. So whether it's that spark to pursue a career in science or just get excited about learning or relating something back to their daily lives and their local community, those are all things and all threads that I think really connect any student that comes through our programs. Okay, so well, a little later on in the interview, we're going to have a more in-depth discussion of grade-level standards that are being applied through this field trip opportunities at the Ocean Institute. But um, I want to turn to you, Dory. Um, the Institute is now open to the public daily. Can you tell me a little bit about what everybody's going to experience? And then I want you to tell me a little bit about, um, you know, you being new at the Institute and what that means for you. Sure. The um, Ocean Institute being open to the public, as you state, is is a brand new thing for us. And it, it came to us as an opportunity that was provided by the state of California through a grant. And the Maddie James Seaside Learning Center was created and really is the space that we're going to utilize for our public programs. Um, We weren't exactly set up perfectly for that um, when I came on board two months ago. 
And we are making every effort at this point to create more public programming, vibrant opportunities. Um, what we want is people to come and have a unique taste of the Ocean Institute so that they may want to come back on an overnight program with their schools. They may want to come back with their families and do an overnight program, something of that nature. Um, we just didn't, at this point, we're creating. And starting January 1st, I think what you'll find is a, is a different opportunity at the Ocean Institute with our public programs. There are things there now. We are open Monday through Sunday. So seven days a week, there are opportunities to visit us and explore with us. Um, you do have to check in on a daily basis really to see what's offered. It's, it's, a, it's a little unpredictable at this point, but what we do offer right now is an opportunity to see us at our best, um, to see everything that we're doing is not yet the opportunity, but it will be starting in January. And you'll get a taste of our maritime history programming. You'll get a taste of our land ecology programming. You'll get a taste of our ocean science programming. So as the new CEO, it's quite a challenge to go from an organization that was open during planned events, maybe fundraisers or uh, the, the uh, school tours, to now being open to the public. What's that transition been like? Well, it's been a unique opportunity to grow. And uh, what I would say is everybody at the Ocean Institute has really risen to the challenge and to watch a group of people who are excellent at what they do, brainstorm and create ideas so that the public engagement rises to the level of our excellent K through 12, well, K through college really programming, um, is an amazing opportunity. And it's just been really fun to watch that occur. We don't, the, the unique thing, I do come from the museum world. In the museum world, you can at least rely on the public looking at some static exhibits and very little interaction. That is just not the case at the Ocean Institute. Everything we do is hands-on engagement. Everything is hands-on opportunity. Everything is hands-on science and learning. And so it's, it's interesting to weave in the public programming because you do really have to have staff and volunteers trained and highly educated in the things in which they're offering um, opportunities to the public. And so we've had to really staff up and we're having to really train and we're really having to get on board with engaging the public in a way in which we have not done, but we're very excited to do. So, wow, what a huge transition. I, I suppose every time I was down there, it wasn't open to the public, and I just kind of thought it was. But um, so it, you're telling me it never, it wasn't always open. You could just show up in the parking lot would maybe be empty. But are you mostly staffed by volunteers? And, um, and that transition has to have been really, um, not tricky, but, you know, Pretty, pretty hefty obligation to get uh, new employees and, and start dealing with a lot of other issues, managerial, uh, managerially speaking, probably. Oh, sure. It's um, the lifeblood of every nonprofit that I've been uh, associated with has been a wonderful volunteer corps. And the Ocean Institute probably has one of the best volunteer corps that I've experienced. We have between 400 and 500 volunteers annually. And yes, we do rely on them. However, um, we really rely on our staff to be the technical experts. We really rely on our staff to provide the, the curriculum-based education, the state content standards, the things that really make us the quality program that we are. But the hands and the thoughts and the brains of our volunteers really help us carry out the programming that we need to do. There's just, there's just my gosh, we wouldn't even be able to stay open if we had to pay everybody that helped us, the volunteer hours and the knowledge and the um, expertise in some cases that they bring to us is just quite amazing. Wow, that's pretty spectacular. So quite an organization developing down there um, to meet the needs of the public. Uh, 
Jonathan and Kasa, this Kaisa, this might be um, an opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the nuances and the changes that you see, um, the needs of maybe the public versus the student coming through and how you might have had to adapt some of the exhibits to meet the needs of the public? Yeah, and that really is the challenge because as Dory was mentioning, you know, our primary focus in, in the beginning has been those core educational programs. So really being a field trip destination in terms of how we define ourselves as an educational resource. But as the organization has grown, as the community of Dana Point, Orange County have grown, we've really realized that, you know, people want to learn. People not only want to see what we have going on, who we are, but they truly want to be educated just as those school programs are. So really kind of the model that we've been working with up until now is being able to translate those core school programs, taking some of those activities and translating them to a broader audience, to, to an audience of you know, very young kids, high schools, adults to seniors, um, because we want them to not only have that enriching, similar hands-on experience that our school programs have, but it's that same opportunity to learn science, to learn history. So uh, it's really that nice blend, and I think that's what keeps us very unique, uh, is we can really, again, be an educational resource, but highlight specifically what we do within our educational programs. Do you feel a certain obligation to entertain people when they're there? I mean, has that changed the, um, the way you approach the visitor, or is it just simply that we have such a wonderful thing to offer here and we're just opening this up to share with more people. You know, it's, I think science and history are entertaining in themselves. And I think, you know, it's being able to offer, you know, a wide scope and depth of programming and content is really going to be that attraction. You know, you don't need to necessarily have the theatrics um, because, you know, we're really providing that for the community you'll touch those interests. You'll touch, again, whether it's history, whether it's science, whether it's just, you know, conservation of all of our local resources or just that thirst for knowledge and education um, and really being able to identify those points. And we have to identify that with our core school program. So, again, it's just that simple translation to the general public. And I would add in, too, one of, one of the terms that we really try to avoid and, and we've seen some other science museums get into is edutainment. And we are all about education. If you come to the Ocean Institute, what we're teaching is very real. It is very important to not only California, but really to the world. Um, we are teaching people about stewardship of the ocean, about stewardship of the land, about the past of California, the present of California, and how to affect a positive change for the future of California. And so we are really a, a hands-on educational institution. And why we're being so careful to introduce public programming in a thoughtful way is to make sure that the edutainment never comes to the Ocean Institute, but that people are, as Jonathan pointed out, entertained just by the fact that what we're doing is very important and, and very interesting. And, and you don't really need to add in the uh, fluff or anything like that in order to make an experience a very real and enriching experience. And one of the best compliments that our instructors walk away with, and I see them get a little smile and pat each other on the back, is when they hear the kids look at each other and say, gosh, this is real. This is real. And it really excites them. Or you really see, you really see our, our instructors just get a real kick out of that when the kids realize this is real. So um, this question is to you, Kaisa. Has being open to the public created some unique opportunities in the fundraising arena that maybe weren't there before for, for you and your role? I would definitely say yes. I mean, for 
the time I've been on staff, which is about two and a half years, uh, my office is actually right above where the front doors were. And all day long, Monday through Friday, I would hear people being turned away. And it just, oh, we don't want to turn people away, and now we don't have to. So even the exposure it has given us to visitors from you know, across the country or world, um, and even local people coming and wanting to know who we are and what we do. Uh, just the exposure that it's given us and the education that we've enabled to give these um, local people to know, wow, the Ocean Institute is doing some great things, and I want to be a part of this, and I want to help support it. Okay, so I, I'm i excited to know this because I'm one of those parents whose kids you know, we had, we dotted around a bit, as you would say, while the kids were in school. And very few of those schools, being that they weren't geographically close to the Ocean Institute, didn't make those trips down to the Institute. And so they missed out, right? So is there a way that I, as a parent, and maybe this is a question to you, Jonathan, can come to the Institute and look at your programming and try to puzzle back in those pieces that they may have missed in fourth or fifth or sixth grade with those really important content standards that you guys address down there? Well, and, and absolutely, and, and that's a challenge. You know, we've, you know, designed our curriculum, our core curriculum, based on, you know, best teaching practices and definitely based on those core standards. So, you know, that's, again, a thread that connects all of our programs. So any parent, teacher, or student that goes through that program will get that opportunity. Um, but again, it's making those resources available to the entire community. Again, you know, extending that out in a way where we're really complementing the teachers in the classroom, the parents at home with that curriculum. Because again, these are those same concepts, that same process of learning, that same idea of creativity, critical thinking, collaboration. That's going to be a learning thread through all of their you know, academic career starting at kindergarten. And we want to do and provide everything that we can, you know, for that local community. So do you have a plan of attack for a person uh, coming in from the public for what they should try to see first? Or is there, is there kind of like in a typical museum environment, it sort of leads you down a path? You know, again, it's a, I think that, you know, initial interaction with our volunteers and with our staff, you know, and it's a combination of, you know, a self-guided exploration, you know, which, which is a great opportunity if you, you know, feel so inclined to just, you know, absorb that information on yourself. Or it's that, you know, one-on-one -on -one interaction with our volunteers and docents at a particular activity. So we can say right now at 1130, we are going to be doing this amazing scientific experiment everybody gather around and enjoy. And at the tail end of that, we can say, well, you know, this is part of our Life in the Abyss overnight program. This is a part of our Before the Mast overnight program. This is something that if you are a fourth grade teacher, a fifth grade teacher, you can bring your students or as a parent, you can, you know, motivate that class group to come for that program. And I would add in too that we, we also do offer camp programming. So during the holidays and during the summers, we have camp opportunities for kids. And on the weekends, we have whale watching opportunities. So we have one of the, the best educational opportunities available. We have some real experts that go out on a daily basis, and they can talk about all of the marine life that you'll see and encounter. And then you can actually come back to the Ocean Institute and touch and interact with some of that marine life if you're interested in doing something like that right now. So, okay, if you're just tuning in, this is Kimberly Martin, and I'm your host of Real People OC. 
And we're having a really delightful conversation with the Ocean Institute down in Dana Point. And their website, if anything you're hearing about today sparks your interest, you can go to ocean-institute.org, ocean-institute.org. And we're having a conversation with the the new president and CEO, Dory Moorhead, and uh, Kaisa James is the vice president of development, and Jonathan Witt is the senior education director. So have there been any particular challenges or opportunities that we haven't talked about by opening the Ocean Institute to the public? I can address it a little bit. One of, one of the biggest challenges we walked into, and I think I, I could say this honestly, is I come from the museum world, so I was I was ready to jump right in. And everybody that's an Ocean um, Institute veteran was like, oh, you can't just do that here because we're different. And I thought, well, gosh, it's not. But gosh, it is. And it's different in a really perfect way. And um, so really the challenges that we have found are not really challenges. They're opportunities to make sure that we bring just the the best parts of programming that's consumable to the public. So as Jonathan was pointing out, we really have to reach an audience because we don't know who's going to show up public audience wise from two to 102. And so making sure that any content that we have on any of our public programs can really reach that broad of an audience is really what's what's a challenge for us. Um, right now, we're very targeted. If, if a school group shows up, we know it's the fifth graders. We know how to engage a fifth grader. We have our fifth grade instructors there. Right now, though, we're having to open our minds up and say, okay, let's take a little bit of this fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade program and make it consumable so that the the two to 102 crowd that's going to show up Monday through Friday now or Monday through Sunday now um, can be inter- not um, they can be engaged, they can be enlightened, um, and they can be educated about what we're doing. Okay, I love that. I love that. Um, I love that it's you know a really mindful process that you have to go through to roll these pro- programs out, but it is a different bailiwick altogether, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so, and I appreciate you sharing that with us because I think, I think anybody going probably should have an appreciation for uh, that transition period of time, right? Because it isn't an easy thing to say, you know, we've held a classroom for your children for all these years and now we're opening it up to the you. So, but please come as a gracious guest and an understanding guest as well, because, um, you know, kids kids listen to their teachers, but necessarily parents don't necessarily listen to employees, you know, when they say, hey, you know, that's not how we handle our animals here. Please touch gently. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, education is truly both an art and a science. And like I said, you know, going on 40 years, you know, we're still perfecting that art. You know, I think, you know, from our humble beginnings, we've grown so much, but there's always something to learn and there's just new ways to engage. And as you get that you know, visitor feedback, that parent, that student, that teacher feedback, wherever it's coming from. Um, And even from the outside with all of our community partners and other partners in industry, it allows an an organization like the Ocean Institute to grow and have that positive impact um, to everybody that walks through our doors. Very good. Okay, so Kaisa, these questions, next few questions are going to be for you because it it is such an important... um, task to continue to raise funds for the Institute, Um, especially since you've opened it up to a whole new arena. You know, I I understand the grant probably enabled you to do that, but maybe it isn't enough. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the fundraising efforts at the Institute and and share with me what what that animal is like and 
and you know take that on for our listeners if you would please absolutely well it's a it's a large animal as you can imagine uh, you know with the campus that we have right on the ocean with our two tall ships and our research vessel it does take a lot of overhead to keep the level of programming that we want to give and to serve the students, the over 100,000 school children that we see every year. Uh, so we have a variety of fundraisers. Uh, right now is uh, right in the middle of our million-dollar Laguna Beach home raffle, uh, which is by far our biggest fundraiser. And this raffle, this will, this is our 11th anniversary, and we are proud to say that we are California's most successful home raffle, because unlike there's a lot of home raffles out there. Um, um, unlike many of them, we have given away the grand prize of either a million dollars or a home in Laguna Beach every year. And since 2005, we've awarded over $12 million in cash and prizes. And so, wow. yeah, it's it's incredible. And it's not only a fundraiser for us, but being able to do that, we give away that grand prize and we do it in a public setting, and we do it at the Ocean Institute, and we have had past winners. One of my favorite stories is a couple years ago, it was Veterans Weekend when we gave away the grand prize, and it was a Air Force sergeant who had just finished his last tour out of Afghanistan, and he was 27 years old, and he won. And we called him, and he was in Florida, and he just said, I don't have a penny to my name. And he had just been, you know, he was married, had a brand new baby, and we changed his life. And, you know, another time, it was a grandmother who support was supporting the Ocean Institute because her grandchildren had such a great time at our summer camp. And so it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing and, and really does help keep the lights on and keep the doors open for us. It gives us the unrestricted funding that we need to do what we do so well every day. Ah, very good. So tell me how somebody could participate in the raffle and what that what that involves. Yeah, so uh, the tickets are $150 each, and they can call 949-542-3600, or you can find all the information on our website, which is ocean-institute.org. The final deadline for the raffle is midnight on Thursday, October 22nd. Uh, the difference between our raffle and some other ones is you need to read the fine print. And we pride ourselves on we only sell 20,000 tickets and we give away the grand prize if we sell 17,000 tickets. There's a lot of other home raffles out there that the minimum threshold is anywhere from 40,000 to 90,000 tickets, which is just not attainable. And so, you know, we we pride ourselves on those numbers. Okay, very cool. Um, so well, what are some of the other ways that the public can interact with fundraising? Let's say they aren't in the market for a house. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> a free house. I think everyone's in the market for a million dollars. Or an extra million bucks. But um, No, and I think I thank you for mentioning that because you mentioned, you know, serving the community and, and the local classes. And one of the amazing programs we have is our Adopt-A-Class program. And so what we do is, you know, every year we get over 200 requests from teachers from Title I schools who would love to come to, to the Ocean Institute and don't have the funding to come. And so we look for donors and we match them with those schools. And we inv these children are coming as close from Santa Ana to Anaheim. Um, they come down to the Ocean Institute. We get them out on our research vessel. It's the first time 
they are connecting with the ocean. It's a lot of a lot of times the first time they've ever even experienced the ocean or any sort of ex- I mean, the, I mean, staying overnight on a tall ship or sailing on a tall ship, uh, it's life changing and, and it never gets old. And uh, it's a wonderful thing because if you donate to this adopt a class, it's not only a donation to a specific class, we invite you down and you can you can take part of that field trip and see the difference that you're making. And the children write the most beautiful thank you notes and we send them to the donor. And it's just all around a beautiful experience. You really see what your money's going towards. Well, and I was going to add in too, if, if you don't have the funding for adopt a class, perhaps you and your family might want to buy one of our memberships. And we have this wonderful membership that's $150 and it gets you into over a thousand museums throughout the U.S., not just the Ocean Institute. And so it would get you into the Ocean Institute and a lot of our special programming throughout the year, um, either for free or um, for the spe- some of the special programs, we have to charge a minimal fee to our members. But the opportunity to travel with that membership, you know, the Ocean Institute t- took a lot of time and we looked around and we decided to partner with this organization that allows our members into 1,000 other institutes, either like ours or other institutes that are art museums, history museums, what name it. Um, we just thought it was really important to provide this opportunity to expose people to learning. Actually, that sounds like a great opportunity. I love that. Um, so did, did we address what impact the raffle and other fundraising efforts have had on the Institute? And is there more that you want to say about that? I would just say that that without it, things would be very different at the Ocean Institute. And it's 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 crucial funding. And I think anyone in the fundraising world knows that those unrestricted dollars are the hardest ones to raise. And this really goes to just taking care of our overhead and, and enabling us to do what we do so well. Um, one of the things I didn't ask about before, and we're not done with your fundraising efforts because I know you have another, um, a couple other community events to talk about, but um, what about the price of admission just to come and show up, uh, you know, on a, if you have a day off and you want to be down at the Ocean Institute, what's that like for people? Right now, uh, Monday through Friday, it's a $5 admission and it is a $10 admission on the weekends for adults. And, um, through December 31st, those will be our prices. We're January 1st, I'm not sure what it'll look like. It still will be very affordable. It will still be within the ballpark of going to a movie. Um, we would we would like people to choose to come and get some great education in history and um, science and technology and engineering education. Um, so we wanna keep it very affordable for people and that is really something we're striving to do. Right now, because we're sort of developing our public programs. We have a special offer. If you come in and um, at any time, your ticket is good for a period of seven days. If you happen to buy a ticket Monday through Friday, we just charge you the upgrade price on the weekends. If you buy one for the weekend, it's good for the remainder of the seven days. What a great thing to get out there for people that are visiting the area because um, that's such an opportunity for them to really dig deeper when, um, when they're in there at the Ocean Institute so they don't have to feel rushed. Because there's so many wonderful things to do around the Institute. You know, walk in your own tide pools or, you know, just, I I mean, Baby Beach is such a delightful place to just, you know, get your feet wet too. So, um, okay, so let's go back to um, the other fundraiser because that's a fun one that the community can get involved in. Definitely. Uh, One of our other major fundraisers is our Ocean Institute Jazz Festival. Uh, 2016 will be our 14th year. 
and we held it, excuse me, we hold it in January. These dates for coming up in 2016 will be January 22nd and the 23rd. Uh, Next year, we're calling it our Red Hot Jazz Festival, so we're getting a little spicy. (laughs) But we do hold it uh, on site at the Ocean Institute. We have a beautiful conference center, the Samueli Conference Center, that we host a variety of special events at. But um, it's a great thing to be able to host your own gala on site because it really gives your your supporters a sense of what we do. You know, we have our silent auction within our labs. We have our instructors there on site. So you can be bidding on a vacation to Hawaii while learning about a sea star and how it reproduces. I mean, it's 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 a very unique, unique thing. And uh, it's a two night event. Friday night is more casual. It seats 300 people. Uh, it's an intimate concert uh, this year's, or I keep saying this year, but it's next year, really. It's Rick Braun, uh, Richard Elliott, and Larry Braggs, who will be performing both nights. On Friday evening, we have an amazing army of local restaurants that basically do a taste of Dana Point and do signature appetizers. Uh, that's headed up by Luciana's Restaurant and a number of other local restaurants. And then on Saturday, it's a gala event, uh, and it is such an intimate, beautiful gathering of less than 200 people, and we are lucky enough to have the executive chefs from all the surrounding hotels supporting us. Uh, Chef Rob Wilson, who's with the Montage, is taking, he's our head chef this year, and he creates a special menu along with the head chefs of the St. Regis, the Ritz-Carlton, the Park Hyatt Aviara, and the Balboa Bay Resort. And so you're coming for a beautiful, intimate concert with a meal that you will not get anywhere, and the chefs are all there. They get up on stage. They present each of their courses. So if you're a jazz aficionado, if you're a foodie, if you just want to support an amazing cause or all of the above, this is truly the event to go to. Oh, very cool. Now, are tickets on sale for that, or is it already sold out? Is it Does it sell out years in advance? How does that work? We actually just launched the website, and we're almost halfway sold out, which is fantastic. Uh, But all information on that, we have a site. It's the OIJazzFestival.com. And tickets can be purchased there. Okay. Anything to add? Okay. I think if I could just add one more thing is that uh, this is a great great opportunity for corporate sponsors. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people that you would want to have exposure with and corporate sponsorships are available and lots of benefits uh, come with that, including, you know, this event in particular helps support our Adopt-A-Class program. So within a corporate sponsorship, you're not only getting a table, but you're getting an Adopt-A-Class. So you're you're getting a lot. Making a pretty meaningful impact. Absolutely. Even though you're going to have a fabulous evening. Yes. Nice. Win-win. Very win-win. Okay. So, um... The whale watching, is that a big part of the for the public or is that also for the kids too? Let's talk about that. You know, again, the whale watching is really a translation of what we do with our school programs. Again, you know, going back to those teachable moments, you know, we have that amazing research vessel, our 60-foot RVC Explorer that, you know, in a lot of respects is one of our busiest facilities. It goes out nearly seven days a week, 365 days a year, uh, bringing out primarily those school programs. And just with the, you know, the wonderful diversity of marine life and particularly marine mammals, those wonderful whales, um, 
we have a great opportunity to showcase that to those local kids. And so during those off times, particularly on a Saturday and Sunday, we say, well, why not have that value for the rest of the community? So that's why we wanted to start running those public whale watching trips. So it's an opportunity for families, uh, individuals to come on board, just pay their admission ticket and get a great moment to experience a nice afternoon out on the water but also have that added value of having naturalists and scientists on board to engage them in that really rich content that we can provide as they're experiencing those whales in that natural setting. So what can somebody expect for ticket sales for something like that? How does that work? Well, we do have member and non-member pricing. And again, really it's, you know, once until we get capacity, that boat will be available for ticket sales and they can be purchased online. They can be purchased over the phone. You can walk in um, and pay right there at our front desk in our main lobby. And you could even come the day of a couple of minutes before the boat is due to leave. If there's a space on board, we want to get you on. Okay, and the ticket prices are for adults and children? Uh, let's see, those uh, non, the non-member prices are $35 for adults, and I believe okay. it's uh, $22 for adults as well. Okay. Uh, but if they go on the website, they'll be able to see um, the, the full pricing and also the frequency of when those trips are running. Generally, we're running them every single Saturday and Sunday sometimes, and particularly for special events, we might up the number that we run per day. Okay. All right, and that's at the oceaninstitute.org, um, the right. ocean-institute.org. Ocean and if you go under public programs, it'll list uh, whale watching trips. Whale watching trips. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I am your host, Kimberly Martin. And I'm really enjoying this conversation that we're having with the Ocean Institute. So much is going on down there now. And I just am delighted to hear that you don't have to plan. You can just show up. Um we're joined in this conversation with Dory Moorhead. She is the new president and CEO of the Ocean Institute, and she's bringing with her that um, important experience from operating museums um, where, by nature, they do work with the general public. So that seems to be a really wonderful component that um, is being expanded down there at the Ocean Institute. We also have uh, Vice President of Development, Kaisa James, and the Senior Education Director, Jonathan Witt, with us here today. And... Um, Jonathan, I want to go back and talk a little bit more in depth about the educational programs, if we could. Because, man, I, I think if parents really knew what their kids got to, you know, parents are so happy to usually sign those field trip um, paperwork because they know their kids are going to get an exciting day at school. And But we don't always get to go on those trips, and um, we don't know what's really happening down there. So walk us through some of the programming, the K-12 through um, 12 programming, if you could, please. Sure, I'd be happy to do so. I mean, just to really start off with, you know, just some kind of general comments. I mean, you know, my philosophy is, has always been at the Ocean Institute, you know, it's 50% fun, 50% education, just in the fact that, again, we don't really know what the experience that student will have or really what the takeaway that they'll have. Will they actually remember the educational content that we provide? Or will it be just, again, that um, moment of inspiration, that kind of spark that's generated by, you know, seeing a whale breaching off the sea explorer or staying overnight for the first time on a t historic tall ship. And maybe that's that wonderful takeaway, that kind of fun moment. But each and every one of our programs, starting even as young as pre-K all the way up through up, has that thread of core educational content. So by grade level, we've developed our programs in a very organic process by saying, right, we want to have that unique experience. And that just positive takeaway is such a value, but 
we also want to embed that core curriculum because one, there's going to be that educational value for the student. One, it's going to help that teacher justify that program. Uh, and that's really allowing us to be sensitive um, and keep uh, our finger on the pulse of education as things change. If we can provide programs that are going to complement what that teacher needs to instruct at that particular grade level, what that student needs to learn, that's that added value of an Ocean Institute program. So as we can see for any one of our programs, we're going to look. Maybe it's focused more on marine biology. Again, maybe it's focused more on California history or land-based ecology. And we're going to design programs and specific activities, maybe a half an hour activity, and multiply that you know, four times. And that's going to be a core program directed at that specific grade level. I still to this day remember just how much plankton a whale needed to eat to, to stay alive that day. And I learned that on the side of a boat albeit I was a little bit motion sick, but I was blown away. You know, it, it, it was impactful. And I must have been, I don't know, 10 maybe, fourth grade standard. I don't know which age I was when I made it out there, but I was a kid from Riverside. So that was a pretty unique opportunity to be taken all the way out there um, to s- somewhere, you know, here in Newport area um, to the water to have that marine biology. And so many of my counterparts were interested in marine biology at the time. So, um, so yeah, doing a great job. What are some of the highlights of the educational program? Maybe you can talk, us, talk to us about some of the exhibits that are really special and beloved. Some of the educational programs that we run? Yeah, like the, um, you have the, the watershed and, um, you know, just the tall ships. Just tell us what sure. some of the kids get to do, the tactile nature of the program. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, definitely, you know, all of our programs are inquiry-based, hands-on learning experiences. And, you know... Our Before the Mass um, Tall Ship Overnight program is definitely a flagship program for the organization overall. I mean, that's one where we have teachers that have been coming for 20-plus years, bringing their fourth graders every single year for that one week in February or whenever they want to come on that field trip. Uh, You know, and it's, again, it's that singular thread that really connects all of our programs where we're immersing those students. The uniqueness about that before the mass program is, you know, we're sending them back to the 1830s. You know, we're preparing those kids or we're asking the teachers to prepare those kids in the classroom to say, right, you're going down to Dana Point, but it's not Dana Point. You're going to be traveling on the historic Brig Pilgrim from Boston, going all the way to San Juan Bay in Alta, California. And those students are not fourth grade students from Riverside, from Santa Ana. They are green hand sailors. And it's really then working with our our amazing staff uh, in those individual crews. So maybe one is going out and gathering the hides that they need to bring back um, from all the rancheros and bring back on their trip to Boston or they're loading cargo. And again, you know, it's, you know, not only um, having that unique experience of that historical content, but again, learning to work as a team. And again, as, you know, we adhere to best practices in education and moving forward and complementing teachers, those are those themes that we have always highlighted as an organization and need to continue to do so. And it's that idea of creativity, collaboration, teamworking, team building. And that's a perfect example when you're trying to hoist a cargo barrel, you know, from the dock onto a historic tall ship. And how are you going to do that? And that's just a great challenge, and it's also a great opportunity for growth in any one of those programs, whether, again, it's a historical challenge or a scientific one saying, let's look at this fish and see, has it been affected by local pollution? Well, what's that process of investigation? How are we going to work together 
to collaborate our ideas, come up with a conclusion, and see how that is going to connect us to things in the past, to our present, and our future. And that, I think, is really the powerful moment that any one of our programs has. Um, I, have to, I have to share one more childhood memory. <laughs> um, it was one of my favorites. It's obviously never left me. But it was about the, um, is it the halibut that starts out as a middle feeder that goes to a bottom feeder where, you know, they were teaching us how to, how to determine by looking at a fish where it lived in the uh, stratus of the ocean, the top, the middle, or the bottom. Can you tell me, tell our listeners about that? Oh yeah, you know, I mean, I'll I'll touch on that specifically, but you know that that theme of adaptations. I mean, we'll start teaching that as young as kindergarten, first grade, getting the kids to understand that as we're all unique, all living creatures are unique, and they might change throughout the course of their lifetime. You know, they might start off in the larval stage, maybe floating around in the ocean, and then change to something that has to crawl, or like that halibut, they're going to be born swimming around like kind of like every other fish. And then they're going to change. They're going to kind of start to turn. Their eye is going to turn from both sides to one. They're going to lose the pigment on one side. So as we see a full-grown halibut, it might have that nice kind of sand-colored, brownish kind of coloring on one side and completely white on the back. And we can highlight to that to those kids and say, well, why do you think that is? Why do they not have to have color on one side? And when they see them in their natural habitat as we replicate in our aquariums, we can really show that and say, well, they don't need to because as an adult, they're going to lay flat on the seafloor, hence flat fish. Right, right, right. And they, they're predator. It's all based on where their predators are and protecting them from their predators. You know, so. and I think it's really you know highlighting um, unique ecological niches. You know, not to get too, too uh, excuse me, too scientific, oh, but you know that's it. a oh, real highlight. <laughs> you know, in you know when they're learning about all these unique creatures, and it's again, it's predator prey relationships. You know, what eats what, and why do they have to eat that particular one? And competition, and it really expands out that scope of scientific knowledge when we can say, yeah, they have these adaptation, these features, these behaviors, because it's going to benefit them because they've got that area to themselves. And if we go to another area of the ocean or another area on land, there's going to be animals and plants with different characteristics (laughs) and traits. They're going to help them survive. Right, right. So um, yeah, such a great way to show kids the food chain and the whole concept behind that. Um, My next question is going to be to you, Kaisa, because you have a really special connection with one of the exhibits down there on the water, the Maddie James Seaside Learning Center. Tell us a little bit about what the Seaside Learning Center offers for children and and how that came about. Sure. Um, I started, I'll go into what the Maddie James Seaside Learning Center became, but uh, it started with me becoming a part of the institute because my daughter attended summer camp there. And she always had a great love of the ocean, but I saw firsthand what the Ocean Institute can do to children and the experience that they get from it. And it it took her love of the ocean and her knowledge and understanding of the importance of preserving it to an entirely different level. Uh, This was in 2011. She was five. And soon after uh, summer camp, right when she started kindergarten, she was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor and passed away eight weeks later. And in that time, it was obviously a very crazy, chaotic time, but 
I felt like I needed to do something to properly memorialize her and do something positive in her name. And the Ocean Institute was the only place that came to mind. And I had no idea that they were in the middle of this massive capital campaign and had wanted to build this Seaside Learning Center for 10 years and had a few grants for funding, uh, but needed a million dollars to be able to finish the project. And so we started the Maddie James Foundation literally days within her diagnosis and uh, were able to raise that million dollars in less than three months. That's remarkable. Thank you. It was it was just kind of one of those things that truly everything just fell into place in, in this magical way that I still am not able to even vaguely process, but hopefully one day <laughs> will. Um, the center broke ground and in October of 2012, and we celebrated its grand opening in May of 2013. And I was um, running the foundation. I was also on the board of directors for the Ocean Institute. And just at the time when the Seaside Learning Center was opening, uh, the position that I currently hold became available. And I interviewed for it. And boy, they put me through the ringer. It was not given to me. And um, I'm thankful that they did. And I've since been dedicating my life to raising the funds needed to bring more kids to a place that my daughter loved and that I saw the difference it made in my daughter. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, now, the Maddie James Foundation, can you share that website to us? Is that still? You know, since the our goal was met, the 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 mission of the Maddie James Foundation was to raise the funds needed to build the Seaside Learning Center. So now they're one and the same. They are. Um, oh, so the the story, the website is maddiejamesfoundation.org. Uh, but the story is there in detail. But the donate button goes directly to the Ocean Institute because now any funding is needed to just help programming, to help keep up the facility, to help staffing and make the Maddie James Seaside Learning Center a beautiful new addition to the Ocean Institute. Such a beautiful legacy. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, um, we're drawing down on our time, and I just wanted to know if there's any more final thoughts that any of you want to share about the Ocean Institute. I'm excited. Um, I get to take my kids down there on a lovely weekend and enjoy enjoy the things that, you know, as a parent, we, we don't get to give them all everything at the time we think we're supposed to. And it's such a rapid fire, crazy life when you have kids. It's just, you, it's just a mile a minute. So this is a really lovely way to sit and rest and relax and enjoy, you know, giving your kids one of those things you have on the list that they, that they have uh, while they're children and interested in, in doing things with us as parents. Well, you know, I've always been proud of the Ocean Institute as you know being a very diverse organization in terms of just all the different pieces that are needed to to make this place work. And I think you know that's really when we're reaching out to the community, what we want to let them know that they can be involved in so many ways. It's not just being a teacher or being a student with one of our school program. It's again participating and joining the jazz festival or the upcoming CSAR stroll or becoming a volunteer, becoming a member. You know, there's so many ways that we as the Ocean Institute want to reach out to the community and that the community can really be involved, feel empowered, feel a part of the Ocean Institute family. And, you know, that's really, I think, at the end of the day, um, something I'm very proud of. Yeah, and I would echo exactly what Jonathan was saying. There, There is a, a space and a place for everybody at the Ocean Institute. Um, we we want to be great community partners. We want to have the community think of us as one of the most valued assets that Orange County has. 
Um, we're a very legitimate asset. There's there's nothing about us that's bad. Everything that we're doing is just great. We're trying to affect positive change. We're trying to educate a community about very important issues. Um, everything that we do is, you know, from the heart. Every every day we show up, I hear somebody say this is just a labor of love, and it really truly is. Everybody is quite passionate about what they do, and you can see it from the moment you step foot on the Ocean Institute. Um, you're engaged, you're enlightened, you're inspired. Ah, very beautiful. Well, the Ocean Institute, definitely um, a treasure gem here in Orange County. Uh, Dory Moorhead, Kaisa James, and Jonathan Witt, thank you all so much for being here and representing the Ocean Institute today on Real People OC. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.